everybody, welcome back to another episode of Hashtag GG, and today we have another amazing guest. We have Allison Salman, who has been a developer in the video game industry for over 15 years. Starting as a software engineer, Allison has worked at companies of all sizes, from AAA to tiny indie. She currently works at Flipfly, creating PC, mobile, and console games. She is also a board member for Glitch, a nonprofit arts and education center for emerging game makers. Everybody, let's welcome in Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. That's good to hear. So, my first question is, what is your favorite game and what is it about? Yeah, that's a really tough question. I don't know if I have a one favorite game. <laughs> I've been, you know, playing games for a really long time. I started with a Nintendo when I was a kid. <laughs> and then I would say some of the most influential games on for me were when I was in college and I was playing first-person shooters. I remember what sort of got me interested in going into video game development was reading about the development of Bungie's game Marathon, which is a first-person shooter that was only made for for Max, I think. And so that probably would have been in the like mid '90s. <laughs> and Bungie was based out of Chicago then, and I was in Madison. So I remember reading about their development process on Bungie uh, on Marathon, and then also meeting like them at Gen Con. So that was sort of sort of what planted some seeds of like, huh, maybe I could do this. There's people in Chicago who do this. So what's Gen Con? Gen Con is a big like gaming convention. Um, One of the oldest, I think it was originally started. So Dungeons and Dragons uh, was created in Wisconsin, in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin by Gary Gygax. And uh, so Gen Con was mostly a board and tabletop board card and tabletop gaming convention that sort of sprung up around Dungeons and Dragons, I think, at first. Um, But then eventually Wizards of the Coast bought Dungeons and Dragons and started running that conference. They still run it, though it moved moved locations. I actually haven't been to it in years, but (laughs) I used to go to it in uh, college, so. That's cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to, like, a gaming convention. Yeah, there's there's a lot springing up around the country now. I mean, we have one in we have one in Madison that we've run for the last two years around video games called MDev, um, which is I mean, it's a developers conference, sort of like GDC but smaller. Glitch runs a conference, a one day conference called GlitchCon in Minneapolis. I know there's ones in like Ohio and Indiana, so like all around the country. If you look, you can find these small gaming conventions game development and board game conventions and like that. yeah they sound like really fun mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah all right so what kind of made you get into like video games like what was like the final decision that made you want to get into like the game development uh, career uh well it was sort of it was sort of luck because mm-hmm. when i went to so when i was in college i was a computer science major mm-hmm. and i was interested in games but at the time there wasn't like a very clear path into video games. Like uh, this would have been, you know, again, mid mid nineties, close to 2000. And uh, so a lot of people who got into the game industry had connections or they worked as modders. Like, you know, they'd make Quake 4 mods or Quake, not Quake 4, sorry, Quake 2 mods mm-hmm. and Half-Life mods and things like that. 
So I did a little bit of modding in college, but I never really got anywhere with it. So I went into the special effects industry. So my first job out of college was in doing special effects software. And then I just sort of, (laughs) so it was for a startup company. And nine months after I started working there, they ran out of money. So I had to look around for a job and I applied for a user interface position at a microscopy company, like making microscopes. Okay. And the guy who interviewed me there went, well, I'm not sure that this kind of job is what you're looking for. It looks like you want to be in the entertainment industry. And he's like, well, my brother works over at Raven Software. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I knew of Raven. I knew it was like, it's an Activision-owned studio in Madison, Wisconsin. And so he actually ended up passing my resume over to his brother. And his brother ended up being my boss most of the time I worked at Raven. <laughs> so, so that was really cool. And it was like, I'd always just wanted to do something in entertainment. Not that not that other software engineering is boring, but I also had a background in theater. And so something that entertained people was something I always wanted to do. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's like you went like from all over like the industry, like from everywhere. And you kind of like finally settled down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's up in a roller coaster. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Having your first job out of school, like be a startup is, is a little bit yeah. scary, but it's also a good time to do it because you don't have much to lose. <laughs> like I didn't have like a family to support or, or anything like that. So, so in some ways it was good. It was like, oh, I'm out of job, but well, I can just look for it. So. <laughs> Would you say games have influenced you on a personal life? Well, obviously, my career has been <laughs> has become a big part of my life. But I, I do. I mean, like, there are so many good games coming out, Ooh. especially in the independent and ex- like sort of experimental, more experimental games, smaller mm-hmm. games that um, really are very touching emotionally. Like, uh, I remember really, really Gone Home, the game Gone Home had a lot of deep feelings for me because it was set in the time period of like my high school. Like that was when I was in high school. So it was like looking around that house and exploring that house was like looking into my past. <laughs> so I remember that being a big connection. Um, Old Man's Journey was another short game that came out in the last couple of years that made me cry. <laughs> we also had a wonderful time like my son and my husband and I sort of tag teamed playing through the newer version of King's Quest which was like an episodic game so like these episodes came out over a year and we played it throughout the whole year so we started it one one year around New Year's and finished it the next year around New Year's and it was just like this wonderful family experience playing through that game Aww, that's so, awesome yeah so. <laughs> Games have the ability to connect people, and it's awesome. They do, yep. <laughs> yeah, I recently like was talking to somebody who like she loves showing, she wants games to like express more emotion, and her games like would kind of like go towards like an emotion more emotional game development, and I think that was super cool. And yes, <laughs> it's great what you can portray using games. Yes, definitely, and I really I'm excited to see more of that happening, and I want to also help more of that happen in the game industry because for a long time the really popular games have been all these like 
first person shooters yeah. and you know and those are those are fun too but it's just nice to see that they're starting to be all sorts of different kinds of games for different audiences yeah we all need a variety mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have yeah, different tastes it shows that it's maturing as an art form as well because like if you think about television film books like there's just so much more variety <laughs> yeah. than, than there had been in the gaming space. And it's nice to see that games are finally getting to that point where it's like, oh, this is not just, we can't, we don't just do one thing. It's a, it's a real art form that can touch <laughs> on all aspects of humanity. So That's true. So you have a degree in computer science. How did you decide on computer science rather than like mm, a game design <laughs> degree? Or Well, there weren't, there weren't a lot of game design degrees. <laughs> at all when I started. Um, And I actually, so I almost was a theater major. (laughs) (laughs) I almost went into theater, but somewhere during my last couple of years of high school, I, I had done, I had programmed, I'd been somewhat lucky that the schools I had gone to had introduced me to programming. So I had done it sort of throughout my life and I enjoyed it a lot. And I had some friends in high school who were all going into computer science degrees and they were sort of like, oh yeah, you, you can do this too, Allison. You should, you should try it. Mm-hmm. So it was actually my senior year in high school. I took intro to computer science at the university. So I did like a special student thing and I really liked it. So I was like, okay, this, this looks good. And it looks like it would probably be a more stable career than going, getting a theater major. <laughs> So, so I just sort of told myself, I was like, oh, I can, I can get a computer science degree and do theater on the side. <laughs> so, so that's how I wound up in computer science. And, that's good. Safety net. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, yeah. And I, I wasn't sure entirely what I was going to do with my computer science degree. Games were, of course, an, you know, a, a dream. But I did like, I did an internship at Intel where I was mostly doing database related things and that was kind of depressing <laughs> Why is that? so this was intel is a very big company and it was my first experience being at a company where it's like here are here's a 10 floor building and it's all cubicles just as far Aww. as the eye can see and you're in cubicle i mean it was like a parking structure where they'd be like okay you're in d3 you're that's where your cubicle is so you'd like look at the big pole and be like, okay, I'm in section A, I need to walk over to section D and down row three. It just felt like you were like this tiny, tiny cog in a big machine. So it was overwhelming for me at that time. I'm sure like it's different once you get integrated into the, the culture and make friends and things. But as an intern only there for three months, it was kind of just, wow, I'm lost in this <laughs> sea of cubicles. <laughs> So doesn't sound fun. I've always not. Yeah. I've never been a fan of cubicles. And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> closes you out. Yeah. And and we have, I mean, Raven was a pretty big company. And I mean, not nearly as big as Intel. And we had cubicles. But in the game industry, there's just a lot more. You like you look around and people have comic book posters mm. and figurines. And it's it's just a little more fun and casual. <laughs> yeah. So you have worked in AAA companies and to tiny indie indie game companies. How mm-hmm. was that journey? How was that transition? It's been interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started my career 
at Raven Software, which is owned by Activision. Mm-hmm. So that was big AAA games. We worked on a bunch of Marvel titles. Um, we worked. On, I worked on Quake Four, and I worked on Call of Duty at one point. Mm-hmm. And those. So that was. It was very focused. Like what I ended up doing at that company was at Raven was always very, very focused. It was like, you're a technology programmer. You have expertise in these areas. So every game I sort of did the same kind of things over and over. So I was like, oh, okay, this is, I had a very niche kind of specialization. So I got laid off at Raven in one of the, you know, it happens periodically in AAA where sales just aren't as good as they hoped and then they have to let some people go so I was a little worried at that point because I was like oh I'm just so specialized what am I going to do but I from there I got into educational games at the UW uh, University of Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and that's when I started learning I started working with Unity and learning Mm -hmm. like oh I can actually I can actually learn new skills. <laughs> so I started branching out from the expertise I had at Raven and sort of realizing like, oh, I just, you know, I can make stuff up. I can do design. I can do, I don't really do art, but, <laughs> you know, I can do design. I can do writing. I can do, you know, more than I was doing there. And that was super exciting. And it was a big confidence boost to get out and try new things. Uh, and then from there... I ended up moving into, there's a company called Creative Kingdoms, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Great Wolf Resorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we were doing something really interesting there. We were doing live action gaming, which Mm -hmm. blends physical, physical props in a location like a resort and digital gaming. So that we were still using Unity, but we were also using like database backend stuff. And then these like cool magic wands and cool treasure chest prop things that would respond to the magic wands. That was really neat. Uh, Sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. It was also kind of stressful though, because it was more than just, uh, if you think about it, like there's lodges, the Great Wolf Lodges are all over the United States and they're running 24-7. Like oh. the biggest time when people are using the game is on weekends. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a little bit stressful to be managing these games where like, okay, everything breaks on Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) So like, then you get calls on Saturday night. They're like, Oh, everything's broken. We need your help right now. So it was a lot of, it was very intense working there. And then, so when the opportunity came to join Flipfly, which I had known one of the founders of Flipfly, Aaron Sanfilippo, I'd worked with him at Raven Mm -hmm. and he had left Raven to, start Flipfly. When the opportunity came that they needed somebody who had experience with console development, which I did from back in, at Raven, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's that's been a fun transition. I've been there for two years now, uh, and we get to make whatever we want because there's three of us full-time and then a contractor who's part-time, and we just get to create and make games. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That sounds like amazing. Yeah, in in a way that I've never really been able to do it before because there's just no restrictions. Like in the educational games, we were always trying to teach something. In the Magic Quest and Creative Kingdoms games, we were you know had a specific universe we were creating for. <laughs> and in, at Raven, of course, it was always like 
oh, you're working in Call of Duty. You do the Call of Duty thing. So that was exciting. It's, it's really exciting to be working in this indie space where we can just make what we want to make. So. so working in a AAA company, how was it being there like as a girl? Because I've also heard horror stories. <laughs> oh, horror stories about, yeah, being a woman in the industry. Yeah, um, I've had a really good experience throughout my career um, mm. for the most part. Like, I think a lot of the bad experiences are actually coming up now with interactions with online and with somewhat with players and or people who are sort of not working in the industry as much. Everybody I've worked with has been, by and large, really, really welcoming. <laughs> it was it was a little strange at Raven when I first started. I was one of three women working there, and but by the time I I left Raven, there was probably about twenty, I think, oh. women. So it wasn't it wasn't that they weren't. It it was just a small company and it was growing, and they've I they still continue to have quite a number of women working there, and it's it was interesting because it was like you don't think of a triple-A game studio as being like a family-oriented work environment, <laughs> but it kind of was. I mean, a lot of the people I worked with have, you know, families. Um, we list we listed babies born during a project in the credits Aww. of the games. So, like, my son is listed in the credits of um, X-Men Origins Wolverine because he was born during that project. And, you know, they have a big family pick every year and they were super nice about my maternity leave like I took a really extra extra long maternity leave and still went back and worked there for another four years so I think you know like I've had really positive experiences I've definitely heard horror stories too um (laughs) but I've been lucky enough not to really have experienced them yet crossing my fingers that that doesn't happen yeah (laughs) hopefully yeah yeah all right so you said you have a lot of like creativity in flip flip fly so Mm -hmm. i've noticed that you guys are you have a new game coming out teaser game yeah so we have a game we've been teasing a new game on twitter Mm -hmm. um and our discord and uh it's got cats and helicopters <laughs> and um something <laughs> explosions <we all> <laughs> things on fire uh yeah i'm trying to think of what gifts we're we're mostly tweeting out gifts i think we're actually going to announce it officially maybe next week or the week after hopefully so that's upcoming we also we had evergarden which came out over the summer yeah evergarden uh, was so pretty Yes, it's a gorgeous game. And I really, I like playing that game a lot. Like, it's it's one of the few games that I've worked on where even after the game has come out, I still want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mostly if you work on a game for, for months or years, you've played it so much that, like, when it comes out, you're like, I don't, I just can't play it anymore. <laughs> but this one, like, I, it's a puzzle game just is really chill and appeals to me a lot and it's one that you get much better at over time like over the course of the development cycle i got so much better at the strategies of it Ooh. that's a fun one <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of what else i can 
say about the the game we've been teasing. That one's I I'm actually not working on that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few weeks I've been working on. We have uh, one of the first games Flipfly came out with Race the Sun. We're making an Android version, which uh, is in open beta right now. So I've been working on that, and that's gonna get some really exciting additions to it. What is it about? Um, it's an infinite flying game, uh, and it's it's really casual, like pick up and play kind of gameplay. It's out on so so it's out on uh, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, PS Vita, iOS, and then now we're doing this open beta on Android. I think it might have even been on the Wii at one point or Apple TV. Wow. Um, so it's like one of the strategies that Flipfly has used to find success in the indie game industry is if there's a game that's successful, like race the sun, we, we port it to a bunch of different platforms. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did when I came on at Flipfly two years ago was finish the race, the sun port for Xbox one. So mm-hmm. that's been out on Xbox one for like a while now. <laughs> and, but it's, yeah, you just, you fly a solar powered craft as far as you can go. In a, and it's in a procedurally generated world. The world regenerates every day. So it's kind of like a different course each day. And you can just fly forever. <laughs> so I see that you work on a lot of strategy games. Is that like your favorite part on of games? Like do you like working on strategy games? Or is there a specific like genre that you like creating? Hmm. I don't actually have a specific genre I like creating. I'm... I, I think I some of what interests me about creating games is is more of the technical side. Like mm. it doesn't even sometimes it doesn't even matter so much what I'm working on because the problems that I have to solve in, in code are interesting in and of themselves, no matter what the game is. Like for our new game, I've been doing a lot of the recently I've been doing a lot of the AI programming, like the the non player characters in, in the game. I've and you know, making them do things like play catch or have water balloon <laughs> fights, and that is so much fun to figure out, like how to program that behavior. So I do think that I really like now that I have kids. <laughs> so I have two kids. I have a twelve-year-old and a seven-year-old. It's really awesome when I get to work on games that they can enjoy too. Which was, you know, like all of Flipfly's games are games that appeal to all ages. Like so, my son playtests our games a lot. My daughter actually loves Evergarden. <laughs> she's she's the seven year old and she plays Evergarden. And my son playtests like all of our new games. So I really that's that's the genre I enjoy games that everyone can play. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome though. You're open to like every every genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. So you're also a board member of Glitch. So yes. How- Explain our explain your experience on that. Uh, <laughs> also, yeah, being a board member is a lot about sort of administrative work and you know working out and solving problems and strategies. So it's not it's definitely very different from making video games. <laughs> but uh, Glitch is is an organization I'm really excited about because what it's been doing for many many years and it was only we only officially became a nonprofit very recently before that we were sort of a sponsored organization um, sponsored by another nonprofit but it provides 
programming, education, and resources for getting more diverse voices into the game industry and trying out experimental game ideas. Some of it's closer to art. Some of it is more commercial. And it's it's just really cool to see. And our the organization over the last year has really grown because we, in addition to the nonprofit, there's a side that is going to start publishing games. And in fact, already has published Optica, which is available on iOS and Android. And that publishing arm is a benefit corporation. Benefit corporations are corporations that are for profit, but they are set up to support a nonprofit. So some of the um, profits that get made from publishing will feed back into the education and other programming initiatives done by the nonprofit so that we can foster more exciting experimental games and bold new voices in the industry that wouldn't get funding through traditional methods. Because the game industry is really, like most industries, is conservative in its funding sometimes. They want to fund things that they know will succeed. Yeah. But that leads to not as much innovation because they're like, okay, we know that you know Fortnite is successful, so let's fund things that are like Fortnite. But it doesn't doesn't help when there's, you know, some exciting new thing that nobody has really seen before. So I think that's that's where glitches is, is sort of trying to go, but also trying to help um, just get people into the game industry who wouldn't normally have have realized that it was possible for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're actually glitch right now is running the, a global game jam site right now. Mm-hmm right at this moment so i'm not i'm not there because i have lots of other things to do and that's i also live in wisconsin but i'm a they're they're based in minneapolis twin cities area st paul minneapolis so i drive over there for board meetings sometimes (laughs) but i'm super excited i can i can help with that they also have GlitchCon, which was just in october which is a one-day conference and game festival where there's talks about game development, talks about about uh, games in general, just game design and how mm-hmm. more how games influence people. And then there's also a games a couple of games showcases involved with that. Like we had um, this year, Minicade usually happens the night before GlitchCon, and that shows off local games. A lot of local independent game developers come and show their games off. So what are some yeah. new exciting things that you've noticed in the gaming industry? New exciting things. Um, <laughs> well, there's, I mean, just been such a huge explosion of independent game development that it's so high quality and so good. I can't even keep up with the number of games that are coming out all the time that just look amazing. Like um, there's Gris just came out, which is looks like a watercolor painting, but it's, it's a, like a platforming narrative game i haven't played it yet so (laughs) (laughs) i haven't had time yet there's been trying to think of all of the really really cool games there's just so many coming out all the time i just downloaded on my phone because they just came out for android not that long ago florence which i think is a narrative game and then hidden folks which is like you're you're trying to find it's sort of like where's waldo but more artistic (laughs) um 
I'm trying to think of what else I've played recently. <laughs> My son finds all these interesting simulation games to play, like totally accurate battle simulator and medieval engineers. So he's he likes to play those things. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool, though. Uh, family revolved with games. That's mm -hmm. super awesome. So how did you kind of get started being a member in Glitch? Uh, I was actually recruited by the exec executive director of Glitch. Um, we had, uh, Ava and I had met at other gaming conferences. So I think mm -hmm. the one we actually met at was uh, women, the Women in, in and Identity in Gaming Symposium that's <laughs> run by Lawrence College here in Wisconsin. But then I probably also ran into her a couple of times at the Games Learning Society conference in Madison, which was a conference about educational games. And so we'd sort of kept in touch. And then when Glitch was becoming, applying to become its own nonprofit organization, she rounded up people she knew who she thought would be good board members, asked us mm. if we'd like to be the board. <laughs> <laughs> So that's we've been doing that for a year now because the board actually is. We started meeting before you ha you have to form a board and apply for nonprofit status. So mm. we started meeting and applied for the nonprofit status, and then finally we got that nonprofit status this fall. So, oh, that's awesome! Congrats! Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it's it's exciting. There's a lot of paperwork that you file with the federal government. Um, about what your organization does and who's involved and who it who it serves, because part of being a nonprofit is you have to serve in a community um, mm -hmm. or a community. So definitely. So, what is your favorite part of working in the game development industry? Uh, my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's a lot that I I love about being in games. I mean. The creative, creative exploration. I love creating things, um, and then it's very satisfying when people enjoy the things you create, or if the things you create connect with people. So, hearing feedback from people about about our games is always just just amazing. So that's probably my favorite part. I also, I, I really do like programming in general uh just just the engineering aspects of it of like here's a problem and i have to solve this problem and thinking through that very logical way to solve that problem is always comforting yeah i love that <laughs> yeah i'm like also studying computer science and my favorite part is like solving a problem and then solving that problem and getting a hundred more problems yes <laughs> yep exactly it's like oh wow the solution is always a problem mm -hmm. yeah it's fun to figure yeah. out why. Yeah. And there's, you know, people think of computer science and programming sometimes as like that there's one right answer, <laughs> but there's not, <laughs> not at all. There's so many ways to solve problems and, and it always depends what your goal is, how you solve problem. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it can be more creative than people think. They don't think of computer science as creative, but it, it can be. Yeah, I feel like you always have to be kind of creative and open-minded towards programming because mm -hmm. the, the ways the functions are always like kind of like being made, being new and different ways to solve some things. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's how it's solved and how you do it. It's like it's refreshing to see it work. <laughs> yes. Yep. 
and it was perfectly fine and then it breaks and then that and then all over starts the square one <laughs> yes definitely so you were able to be in a lot of like conferences would you like say that networking was also a really important thing for you to be able to kind of like stay up to date in the industry yes yeah networking is a is a big part of it and that can be very scary to people just starting out in the industry but they should i mean there are a lot of very friendly people in the video game industry and we do really want to help people get into the game industry so try not to be as afraid but yeah i mean the game industry in some ways is a very connected industry and people do i mean I so because I was at Raven, I have connections in a lot of um, AAA space because people move around a lot in the video game industry. The, it's mm-hmm. unfortunately not very stable. So like you will find people who bounce from company to company because of layoffs or because of you know studios running out of money and closing, or they try to be you know they try the independent thing for a while and then decide to go back to a different career. So people move around a lot and they talk a lot. So connections can be very, very important. I think, so every place I have worked, I have worked with at least one other person who worked with me at Raven. And the last two jobs I have worked at, Creative Kingdoms and Flipfly, were because I connected with people I used to work with at Raven. (laughs) So those you know, like, so I knew Aaron from Raven and he actually, you know, told me when they were looking for a programmer. And for Creative Kingdoms, I knew the art director at Creative Kingdoms because of Raven. So when I was looking for a job, I had actually emailed him and asked, like, are you guys looking for anybody? And they were. So that's how I ended up applying for that job. So it can be, it can be super important to network. Yeah. And one of the ways that people can do that now without even leaving their home, though, is, is Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I mean, I, I have known people who, you know, they, they made connections on Twitter. And, and also we now have, you know, Slack and Discord to get to know people in development communities. And they've gotten, that's how they get experience. They get, you know, information about how to get better at their craft they get feedback and eventually that's how you get jobs too so, uh, that's true being I part would of say, the community would be mm-hmm. yep reaching out to community and look I mean look for for networking look for groups in your community like it's it's always good to have face-to-face real life personal contact um, mm-hmm. and I think with with things like meetup available now and just in general people have started to make clubs and meetups at most universities, colleges, even small, smaller towns. In Madison, we've had a long-running independent game developer meetup that was actually started by my boss, Aaron Sanfilippo. And so like looking for those kind of groups where you can meet people in person is great. But then if there's nobody around you, there's also all these online communities that are super helpful. Yeah. And it can be intimidating at first because mm-hmm. if you're just starting out, it's it gets a little, oh, well, very intimidating. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, it can be. Uh, but you know, people will reach out and will try to help you no matter what. And that's what yes. something I've been learning, and it's really amazing. 
and you know there are supportive people out there and you're gonna always get like people who won't want to help you but then you know you're gonna get a lot of people who will want to help you yeah and i i think there's a lot of game developers out there who who do want to help people get into the industry yeah and that's exciting <laughs> so what was your favorite like favorite project working at like uh, oh at raven raven uh, yeah, so I think my favorite one out of all of them, hmm, it was it was definitely working on the X Men stuff. <laughs> on the we did a bunch of Marvel games, so uh, probably the one that went smoothest development wise was Marvel Ultimate Alliance because that t- so the team that did the Marvel games, we X Men Legends was the first one did and i w- i came in i was hired about a year before that shipped so i was on on that for the last year and that was kind of a little bit hard because it was the first time that raven had done a console game it was the first like marvel game that they'd done but after that that team had it down like that team knew how to make games in and without a lot of stress so they did a uh, X-Men Legends 2, which I actually was on, on Quake 4 during that project, so I didn't work on that one. But then I came back to that team for Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and that game was like so smooth, and it was so much fun to work on. Um, and then we did X-Men Origins Wolverine, and we switched game engines when we, we did that one. So it was a little bit of an adjustment, and it was a movie game, and the movie got delayed. So then we ended up having way more time than we needed to work on that game. <laughs> so like uh, for part of that project, I actually worked on Wolfenstein instead. Like for three months, I took a hiatus from Wolverine and worked on Wolfenstein. <laughs> and then I came back to Wolverine. But those were, the f- those were really fun games to work on. And I learned to really love the Marvel universe. So it makes it extra exciting to see all these great, Marvel movies that have come out in recent years because I know all this <laughs> I know all this really really detailed trivia about the Marvel universe from working on these games <laughs> so it's kind of funny because when you work on it when you work on a subject matter like that you you learn to you learn way more about it so everyone who worked on those games knew a lot about the Marvel universe oh yeah I would have seen you have to do like the research and stuff like that for it yeah well know. and there was there was a lot of crossover too like a lot of mm-hmm. artists from the game from the game industry also work in comics um so there was there were some people who had actually worked on other you know like they work in comics too and they work on games um, and a lot of just fans of of comic books like we used to just go over to the comic book shop and get comics at lunch so people were big fans and it was fun to work on that so what would you um say to like the upcoming game makers right now like who want to learn game development but don't know where to start so it it depends sort of on what you want to do in the game industry depending on if you want to go into being an artist you know do you want to be a 3d modeler do you want to be a you know environmental artist do you want to be a programmer a sound designer so there's all these roles in the <laughs> game industry so the first thing to do is probably figure out which one of those those you want to become an expert in and you can you can work on more than one skill too because uh, a lot of independent game developers do multiple things you know like Forrest who I work with at Flipfly does he does sound he does mod 3d modeling he does you know all of our UI art he does 
many, many different things. And like Aaron, who started as a programmer, does programming and art and design. So there's sort of these different fields you can go into. So once you've decided what you want to pursue, then and that's where you start looking either online for resources, look for people in your community. You can look for degree programs. There are there are some degree programs for video games that are better than others, for sure. <laughs> um, I would say look for ones that don't try to go too broad. Like if they're trying to teach you everything, they're not gonna they're not gonna give you enough in one area to be employable, sort of. For for programmers, I still recommend a lot going into computer science. Like get a good foundation in in software engineering for a couple of reasons. One, like that foundation will help solve problems. Like because game problems in game development aren't really any different than problems in other software. Like you're still dealing with data in the same way. So so software engineering, whether it's games or others, has this base set of knowledge that is helpful. Um, and then the, it's also a good fallback. Like if you have a degree in computer science or any kind of degree in, in programming, software engineering, if you decide that games isn't for you, then you have more possibilities. Does that make sense? <laughs> so I, I often recommend that for people who are looking at programming. But there's just there's so many resources out there now that it's wonderful, like the free, because you can get all these game engines for free. You can download Unity and start making games. You can download, I mean, there's Pico 8, I think is one that people, I've seen a lot of people playing with recently, which is cool. There's Game Maker. There's Twine. Twine is a wonderful, uh, like, narrative game engine, text-based. You need almost no programming. (laughs) Um, and it's, you can make games for the web with that. So like digging into some of those tools and then, then, uh, there's communities that grow up around all of these tools. So like unity has an extensive community of support around it, like tons of tutorials online, YouTube tutorials, written tutorial unity even offers their own training programs. I think they have a certificate program for learning to use Unity. The Unreal Engine is got a lot of, of community growing up around it now. So getting started by like, and it doesn't really matter which tools you pick either. I mean, you can you can always pick a new tool later. I think people get hung up a lot on, oh, what what is the right game engine to get into? Like, And sometimes on online, you'll see people bad-mouthing one game engine versus another game engine and they'll be like ah you can't make anything cool with unity you can't make anything cool with this and that's so not true it's like not the tool the tools are sort of important but it's also about your learning and and it's better to to learn and make things because the more you practice at learning how to you know get into a tool the better and easier it'll easier it is to learn a different tool like, because they do all share a lot of things in common. <laughs> so, so some some knowledge transfers over. So I, I guess that was kind of a rambly answer. But <laughs> no, it's actually really good. Because yeah. that kind of reminds me of like learning, like, you know, um, when computer science is like, which language is it is the best one to learn? Is it C++? Is it Java? Is it Python? 
you know. And I sort of learned that, I mean, it's great to know why not all of them. Um, they all share the same kind of like functions. It's just the syntax you're kind of learning that's different. Yes, exactly. Yeah, over my career, I have worked in, um, let's see, I've worked in C, C++, Java, Python, Ruby, <laughs> C Sharp. I've sometimes squinted at Visual Basic. Uh, <laughs> and and like, uh, what else? Unreal script. So I've worked in all these different languages. And at at this point, it's like, I sometimes even forget which one I'm in. Like, because they they do all have the same kind of constructs. Like once you start learning, once you've gotten acquainted with one programming language, it's easier to learn others. And there are a few exceptions of like super weird languages like Lisp. I've never never really grasped Lisp. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But yeah, so I think, I think being not as picky about the tools and realizing that it's more about getting to the habit of learning new things. And, and the game industry is always changing. Like that's one of the things that's exciting, but also challenging is that the technologies evolve really fast. So in some ways, not getting stuck to one tool or, or one programming language can be very helpful. Learning the skills of how to learn a new thing a new API, a new plugin, a new tool is important because those tools change. Like I've worked in a bunch of different engines over my career as well. I've worked I've worked in Unreal, I've worked in Unity, I've worked in an engine called Alchemy, I've worked in the Call of Duty engine. Uh, there's all these different engines out there and they all somewhat have the same they have to do the same things eventually they have to put a picture on the screen they have to have networking so after a while you get used to sort of finding where these things are in different engines so that's that's more of a skill than just learning one particular engine that makes sense yeah it's learning the whole kind of like the base of it the roots yeah yeah learning the concepts of it and not getting so hung up on the details yeah, it's super important. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's super awesome. And where can everybody find you, Allison? Ah, so I'm on Twitter. <laughs> and um, I'm my I'm Code Crafty, <laughs> at Code Crafty. But I'm also just under, I think if you just search Allison Salmon, I come up too. And that's the main place to find me. We also, Flipfly has its own <laughs> Twitter, which is just at Flipfly and website. And Flipfly has a Discord uh, where we talk about our games and our upcoming games. We just launched that Discord not that long ago. So still, still pretty. Uh, we have a, we've got a lot of people joining after the Evergarden and Race the Sun betas went out on Android. But it's still a nice community little community like some of the discords i'm on are just giant (laughs) and i can't keep track of them it's nice to have a little community um yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so that's where to find me (laughs) that's awesome and yeah i hope to see you more in future episodes as well Allison. and we're gonna Mm -hmm. be delving more maybe next time in programming specifically ah okay a little bit of tips maybe (laughs) yeah yeah i'd like that (laughs) Yeah, but um, unfortunately, time has run out. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And 
Thank you so much for being here. And guys, make sure to follow Allison. She's super awesome. She will also be on the website's main page for Featured Women of the Week. So make sure to check that out. And yeah, I will see everybody in the next episode of Hashtag Duty. Goodbye.